Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Before we talk about today's show, I would like to say thank you to all my guests who have been featured on the Gladiatrix podcast to date. I have a dream. There are 193 countries in the United Nations, and I have a dream that I can host at least one woman from every country in the world on this podcast. That is 193 countries, 193 stories, and 193 shows. So if you know of somebody who should be featured on the show, please drop me a note. I would really appreciate it. In today's episode, we're speaking with Melissa Nicado. Melissa's parents immigrated from El Salvador and Ecuador. Melissa is a minimalist and a zero waster. Together, her family paid off over $100,000 in debt in three and a half years by the time she was 28. She's now 33. Melissa is a speaker, writer, and coach, and writes about her goals to reach financial independence by the age of 40. This is her story. If you want to check out the Mama's Talk Money Summit, which is free this week, week of October 12th, 2020, check the link in the bio. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining um, the podcast. I know every single person who'd be listening uh, to this particular show would really enjoy it because it's a topic that resonates with all of us. Oh my, I am so happy to be on here, Malini. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Oh no, thank you. So let's jump right in. Um, um, you, uh, you were born in California of immigrant parents and you're now, uh, you now live in Michigan, but there were some, uh, it must've been pretty interesting, um, you know, growing up with parents who were not from the U S. So what were some of the experiences that shaped your upbringing? Yes. So that's correct. Uh, I'm from California and my dad is, was born in Ecuador and my mom was born in El Salvador and they were both, they both came here when they were in their teens. So they were here for a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, some of, one of the biggest experiences that shaped my upbringing was because they were from other countries. We actually moved to Ecuador when I was around five years old and we lived there for two years. Oh, wow. And we're just immersed, you know, in that culture. We're surrounded by that family. And I really feel like I took that experience with me mm-hmm. because even after we came back to California, mm-hmm. like ever since I can remember, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I want to go back there. I want to go to El Salvador. I want to travel. I want to see new places. And so I feel like that was the, <laughs> I don't know, that the formative experience that really got me super excited about cultures mm-hmm. and and travel. So, so did you go back after? So how, you were there for a couple of years, you said? Yes, we, we lived there for two years. So I did kindergarten there and like half of my first grade year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved back to California. Mm-hmm. And then, no, we didn't, we didn't have a chance to go there again. But again, like as far as I can remember, one of my high school goals, when I, I told myself when I was younger, I was like, when I graduate high school, I'm going to go back to Ecuador and back to El Salvador or, or go to El Salvador because I never actually made it there when I was young. Younger, it was okay. just like one of my goals. That's awesome. I mean, it, it has such a... Um, you know, it's kind of like a, a dream that just kind of sticks in your brain and it's like something you never, ever forget. It's, it, it's so vivid in your head at that age, right? And then it just kind of grows as you grow. Yes. I mean, even 
even though we had pictures, I feel like a lot of the the things that I remember are my actual memories. Even mm-hmm. though I was young, I feel like they are my memories. They're not just stories that, mm-hmm. you know, because when family tells you stories so right. often, sometimes you feel like, oh, is that my actual memory? Is it because I've heard the story so right. much? And it's like, no, I remember things that nobody has ever told me a story about. So right. Right. it was just right. that impressionable mm-hmm. that's, that's of an experience. Really cool. That's really cool. So, um, so growing up in an immigrant household, you know, and I, I, and I can say that from, from my own experience, um, learning to be, learning to know about um, money and how to handle it is not something you, that it's not something that is discussed, at least it wasn't in my house. So, and, and I'm presuming uh, that, you know, similar right? In a similar kind of a circumstance where people, you, you don't discuss bills and you don't discuss money in front of the kids and stuff, but you were, but you were really savvy about it when you were in college. So how, how did that, how did that all pan out? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel, I feel like, uh, with Latin culture, like there's, you know, the machismo thing where mm-hmm. it's like the man mm-hmm. has to go to work and pay all the bills and the wife stays home and, Mm -hmm. and does the child rearing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so that was very much my experience, but I did get a little bit of an introduction to money Mm -hmm. through like my parents opening us bank accounts. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe, like you said, as a immigrant child, like we were involved in things like going grocery shopping Mm -hmm. and looking at prices and things like that, which sometimes when I talk to other, you know, to other people my age who grew up in different areas, they're like, you know, they weren't involved in the cooking. They weren't involved Mm -hmm. in the shopping. That was not something they were, they, they did. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like, yeah, you know, there was a little bit of an introduction to that. And, um, when I was in high school, I actually used to be in band and we used to do fundraising. Mm-hmm. And I had this experience where um, we used to sell, you know, candy mm-hmm. from either a pamphlet or mm-hmm. actual physical product. And I right. always found that selling like physical product was always easier. Mm-hmm. And so one time, I was in class and I saw a girl selling candy and I was like, what club's that for? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, this isn't for a club. I'm selling it for myself. Oh, and I was like, that is a great idea. <laughs> and, and I, and because I was part of the whole grocery shopping process, mm-hmm. um, honestly, I don't remember where I came in with my first investment. Maybe my parents gave it to me mm-hmm. the first money to buy my first batch of candy. But I was like, because I was part of the process of going grocery shopping with my mom, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of buy this bulk candy and start doing the same thing as this Mm. girl. And I learned, you know, rather quickly that, okay, well, I can't eat all my candy because I'm going to have no money to buy the next batch. And so I knew that I needed to sell, you know, a certain amount and keep a certain amount and reinvest a certain amount to be able Mm -hmm. to like actually earn Mm -hmm. some money to keep in my pocket. So Ah. it was an interesting experience. That's, that's really, that's really cool. So now, um, are you an only child? No, actually, I have an older sister and I had a younger brother. Mm-hmm. So we were a family of three. Okay. So and are, are your siblings also just as, you know, um, money savvy? Or is it, are, are you the, the, the one that kind of tells them how to do things when it comes I to think, money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, um, I think we all have different levels and priorities. Okay. I think that's that's what the difference is. My brother used to be um, a little bit more money conscious when he was younger. Like if there was change anywhere in the house, he would mm-hmm. find it. He would like okay. have money because he knew where to go look for all the loose change. So <laughs> he had a little bit of that, you know, growing up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all just, we just had different priorities, uh, mm-hmm. I think, when it came around money. But you said in college, I got a little bit more savvy about it. And mm-hmm. that's because I actually attended this university, which is called Kettering. And part of the university curriculum, which mm-hmm. is here in Michigan, mm-hmm. um, is that you actually have to work half of the time to earn right. your degree. Mm-hmm. So you actually go to work for three months, and then you go to school for three months, and then mm-hmm. you go to work for three months, and then school. And yeah. that's part of the the degree requirements. And right. so like I co-op, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, 
That's awesome. Yes, I know. We, um, well, considering we're in Michigan, yeah, I know about catering, but that's that's great. That's great. So, did you get paid while you were working? Yes, I did, and so that was a you know like a big learning experience there too because um, I was able to you know get a co-op and get paid, and it was in a different city than where my family was. It wasn't in Michigan, and it mm -hmm. wasn't in Southern California. It was actually in San Francisco, and so. I had to pay bills. You know, I had to start mm. right away at 18, mm -hmm. you know, going to work and paying bills and again, balancing that money, um, mm -hmm. figuring out like how much am I bringing in? How much can I spend? And then saving money because part of the, <laughs> part of the, the um, how would you say part of the reason it was part of the requirement for the curriculum for the degree was because they offered it as part of our financial aid package. Ah, okay. So, okay. so they're like, you, you know, you're going to be earning real money here so you can afford to pay for your college. Right, <laughs> so it's like right. you couldn't spend all of it. No. Um, you had to save some of it because that, the expectation was that some of that money was going to go into the next school year's class. Right. So, that, is, so that, that really taught you very quickly how to balance your budget and what to spend the money on. You know, you had fees and then you had living expenses and then you had tuition or whatever else that you needed to pay for. So very quickly you had to learn how to, how to, how to balance that. Yes. And I think kind of going back to what you were saying about growing up with immig immigrant parents, mm -hmm. I just had also just like a different um, like starting point for right. my expectations of what, Right. life should look like or what your apartment should look like um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we it, we didn't have the most lavish things growing mm -hmm. up um mm -hmm. we didn't go on vacations every year like that right. was something i learned when i was in college like people talking about vacations and traveling and i was like what is this you know like <laughs> <laughs> every year seriously you went on a vacation that's crazy um <laughs> so yeah i just had different expectations so it wasn't super challenging for me mm -hmm. to save the money because okay. I was just like, this is already amazing because mm -hmm. I'm already, you know, I have my freedom. I'm mm -hmm. 18 living in my own place. That's awesome. See, see I, I, you, you, went, uh, you went to school for engineering, I'm presuming since you said catering. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, what was your plan after you graduated college? So I got a mechanical engineering degree mm -hmm. and I was co-oping in California later in Southern California for an aerospace company. Mm -hmm. And they offered me a job mm -hmm. uh, when I graduated. And so, yeah, my plan was like, okay, I get to go back to California and go home, essentially go back to live in the state that I came from. Mm -hmm. um, but I had two big goals when I graduated. I graduated with debt. So even though I had this income and I thought I was doing pretty good with money, mm -hmm. I still graduated with debt. Mm -hmm. And um, it was $46,000. And I was just like, I am going to pay this off in five years. Mm -hmm. So I knew um, that they told us like, oh, you have 10 years to pay it off. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, there's no way that I'm going to take 10 years because I understood a little bit about how interest worked. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to pay a single or I don't want to have to pay any more than I have to for mm -hmm. the degree. Right. And so I made a goal to pay it off in five years. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, but just in case, just in case things don't work out, I'll make another scenario for six years. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, had a, I had a backup plan. Mm -hmm. And then my second goal um, was that I was going to have, I was going to be in a financial position where mm -hmm. I could take a year off for my next child. Mm. So, okay. I actually had a child while I was in college. Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I because I was in the middle of schooling, I I wasn't able to take even the six weeks off to recuperate. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what, I'm not going to be in this position again. And so the next time for my next kid, I'm going to be financially in a position where I can at least take one year off. Mm -hmm. That first year, that mm -hmm. first year off when right. my child is born. So, right. so I went to the aerospace industry and I was working. But my biggest goals, I think, at the time were just about, um, like, finances, like get, paying off debt and spending time with my kid. Mm -hmm. So you were, a, you made the five-year mark, the five-year goal of paying yes. off five years? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I, 
Yeah. So actually what ended up happening was, um, uh, let's see, about two years after I was, I was paying off my debt aggressively already. Um, once I got the real job, the real engineering job, a real, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> paycheck, right. um, I was paying off my debt aggressively still, but I stumbled upon this person called Mr. Money Mustache. Hmm. And he was talking about something called FIRE, or actually right. it wasn't even called FIRE back then. It was just called Early Retirement. Mm-hmm. And it, and then later it became called FIRE, which is Financial Independence Re- Retire Early. And he painted this vision that your money can do more for you than just you know, buy you the next vacation or buy you the next luxury car, buy you the next gadget. Mm -hmm. You can use your money in a way that you can buy your freedom. Mm -hmm. And so because I ran into him, I actually did a few shifts to to my plan of how I was paying off my debt. Mm -hmm. And I was able to pay it off in three and a half years instead. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So, so what, what did I mean? Was was uh, what did he tell you that you were able to do it so quickly, or was it just aggressive saving um, and paying it off? So one of the things was that when I graduated college, I didn't like um, lifestyle inflation. That's mm-hmm, the term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't jump into the lifestyle inflation. Okay. you know, habit that, that happens after you get a, a grown up job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I right. was still, um, I, when I found a place, I found the most affordable place that I could find and for, for my family's needs. And that was, that was pretty much all I was doing. I was working and then I was going home and spending time with my kid and I would mm-hmm. go to all the free activities. So I was already, like I said, aggressively paying off my debt, setting aside money mm-hmm. for that. Um, I would say about a quarter of my paycheck I was using for debt repayment. And that wasn't the, the required payment. It wasn't right. what was necessary. Right. What was necessary was probably a third of that. Right. But I, I was already setting aside any tax refunds I got. I would put it into that. Mm-hmm. And what he taught me, though, was that on top of that, I was also saving money just, mm-hmm. you know, for safety. <laughs> right, right. Like, okay, well, um, cushion. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, and so I was saving money. And one of the things that, that he taught me was like how most of us have money in savings mm-hmm. and it's earning like zero. It's earning right. nothing. Right. And so just shifting some of those funds over to um, – over to the debt repayment was actually going to have a bigger payoff. So Mm. because if your money is in this one account and it's earning 0.0001%, which is like a quarter a year for Mm -hmm. uh, over Mm $1,000, and your loans, whatever your loans are, are, you know, 5%, 9%, 25%, moving that $1,000 over is going to get you, you know, hundreds of percentages better. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And so, yeah, that one move, you know, like dropped my um, principle by Mm -hmm. a lot. Wow. I mean, and that takes, you're young. I mean, you're like in your early 20s and you were already debt-free before you were 25? Um, Yeah, I would say that's 2012. So like 27 is when I became debt-free. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's, that's, that's really, that's, that's very, that's commendable. Cause I know, I mean, when you look at the price of education now and the kind of debt that people, you know, that, that some of the kids have to come out with is, is just staggering. Um, and we hope that, you know, the election will take care of it, but I want to say that. <laughs> so, um, uh, that, that is a huge issue right now among students is this, uh, is the student debt, you know, and the loans of that course. they have to pay off. So that's, mm-hmm. that's quite commendable. So congratulations. Um, so you, you, so you also have a passion for travel because that was something that you had decided when you were very young and you Mm -hmm. started a a blog called um traveling wallet how did that start yes so (laughs) so um 
goodness, I have so many awesome financial bloggers that I follow. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give one person all the credit, but one of the things financial bloggers do is that they make money by recommending you to start a blog. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, and so, yeah, I think I read one of Mr. Money Mustache's posts where he said like, oh, you, sh you know, everyone should start a blog because you can make passive income like this and it's so easy and la-di-da-di-da. And so mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. And at, at that moment, there was a very... Uh, like a, a budding, a budding mm -hmm. community of financial independence writers. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I'm gonna, like, I'm just, I'm almost done paying off my debt. And so I actually started it in 2014. Mm -hmm. And I was just about to like become debt free. And so okay. I was like, oh, this is a good story. I can share this. I can talk about my journey. Mm -hmm. And so it was focused on financial independence. And for me, it included the ability to hopefully at some point take a full year off and travel around mm -hmm. the world. Um, okay. And yeah, so I started sharing my story. Mm -hmm. And right now, it's, it's personal finance and minimalism to help you live your like new American, mm. American dream. Dream. Okay. So is this the same... Uh, Traveling the world, is this the same thing that you did before you moved to Michigan with your family? The or is that different? No, so that's so that's the same thing. That's okay. I feel like um <laughs> I feel like uh you know, I wasn't able to tick off all the marks at once. So just slowly, little by little, I started ac accumulating these wins. And one of those was you know, like I said at the beginning of the interview, ever since I went to Ecuador, I was like, oh, I'm going to make it back there and I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, go to El Salvador, El Salvador too. But then I went to college and I guess I kind of forgot about it. And then I graduated college and I had a kid and I was like, you know, like I still want to do this. And mm -hmm. so in 2016, I, I, we were already kind of, it, that's two years after I had, um, become debt-free we were already kind of on our way to becoming you know on, on our path to becoming financially independent and I was like you know I still really want to go to Ecuador I still really want to go to El Salvador I still want to have my kids have these experiences because they were so important to me so and I have, have family this, there right so the, at, at this time you're married you have two kids uh, yes. under the age of 10 Yes. So, okay. um, goodness. in 2016, when you went, your kids yeah, so, were, well, in 2016, we started planning. Cause okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was, it was, a. we were talking about it. Um, and it was kind of a hard sell. Like my, my husband already was sold to the idea of like ag aggressively saving our income so that we could one day be financially independent and not have to work traditional jobs mm -hmm. by the age we're 40. Mm -hmm. But um, taking time off in between that was a different kind of mm. you know, ask. It's like, well, right. what if we get out of the industry and then it's too hard to get in? Mm -hmm. um, but another thing we had been talking about is he's originally from Michigan and during this time, we were living in California. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he wanted to buy a house and he wanted to spend more time with his family. And we wanted that, too. I wanted that, too. Mm -hmm. And but I didn't want to buy in California where, you know, essentially all our net worth would be wiped out because right. houses are expensive there. Right. You know, I didn't want to leverage myself to such a point where I felt strangled. Right. Right. <laughs> and so we were like, well, OK maybe we can move to Michigan this year. And then when we started talking about moving to Michigan, I was like, well, if we're going to move to Michigan, you're going to have to quit your job anyways. So can't we squeeze in a mini retirement in here? Can't we mm. squeeze in a trip? And so then I started just talking it up a lot and planning it and figuring out the numbers. And 
even though I said like I didn't want to buy in California, we were still kind of in that thought process that we were going to buy a house. So we were already saving for a down payment. Mm -hmm. And when we realized we weren't going to buy in California, we were we already had, I guess, a little bucket of money that we could use Mm -hmm. to to take that mini retirement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did do some research on like travel hacking so I could pay the the lowest cost I could on um, airfare. Mm-hmm. So I, I like really dived into it. Mm-hmm. So you basically took four months, right? So you guys basically were out of the country for four months and you lived in El Salvador. Um, um, and, and were you working there or in the kids in school? How, how, so, what, so what happened? So tell me more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what ended up happening was we actually took a 21 day road trip first. So because we decided that we were going to move to Michigan, um, we got rid of the majority of our stuff and we said, we're only taking the things that fit into our two compact cars, a Corolla and a um, whatever, the other one. <laughs> wow. And okay. so, so we got rid of things because we're like, we want to take, our time driving across country. And so we actually planned a 21 day road trip. We stopped at Zion. We stopped at Bryce. We stopped at Las Vegas. We just, we were like, let's make this a really fun experience for the kids too, because we get to visit all these States. Like we don't need to rush. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the months or 21 days we spent actually driving to Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then from Michigan, we um, actually went back to Chicago and then flew out to El Salvador first and we spent one month in El Salvador and one month in Ecuador and then we spent um, some time in uh, the city where my husband's uh, family's at Mm -hmm. and then we thought we were going to get our jobs like right away we're like oh we're going to get hired real fast like Michigan's an in-demand state because a lot of people leave Mm -hmm. but it did take some time so we were actually ended up living with my husband's parents for I think two months. And Mm -hmm. so we were actually out of work during this mini retirement for about six months. Mm -hmm. But part of that was the road trip. Part of that was one month in Ecuador and one month in El Salvador. And so what I did for schooling, because I heard you ask me about that, was that I just just took it on. I was Mm -hmm. like, we're going to do... My daughter wasn't in kindergarten yet, so I didn't worry about her too much. I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, we're going to keep reading and we're mm-hmm. going to practice letters. But with my son, I was like, um, we're going to do reading, we're going to do math, and we're going to be writing in a journal. And I so how old like was the, your, How old was your son when you were doing My son, he was in fourth grade. Okay. So, so he's about eight years old or nine years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm like so good with math money numbers but I'm like I don't know what age they were at that time <laughs> now I'm, I'm just trying to get I'm just trying to picture when you're driving 21 days from California you had one in a car seat and one was not so I'm thinking about squeezing all your stuff in two cars and you were driving yeah you know, so, so we yeah. yeah we did we squeezed stuff in and then but we also again we did we bought a, a a car rack, so we actually got a little bit more space than that. We okay. we did a little purchasing to increase our space, but okay. yeah. Um, and did you camp at Zion and Bryce when you were there, or did you, were you like staying in hotels and stuff? No, we were staying in hotels. I would have loved to camp, but that would have taken <laughs> the camping <laughs> equipment. I know. Like, <laughs> we would have had no space for any like of their toys or anything. <laughs> okay, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I mean, I think they still enjoyed it. We tried to stay as close to the parks as possible. So that way, you know, it was a very close, you know, after to get there to, mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. parks. Okay. Um, so, so you came, you came here and then um, you flew down. So when you were in uh, El Salvador uh, and Ecuador, you were staying with family and you were just hanging out on the beach and stuff, or were you actually like, um, you know, like going around and seeing all the places. And so in both of the countries, like I said, I have family. So that was a huge benefit, you know, financially, Mm -hmm. we didn't Mm -hmm. need to worry um, about that. Mm -hmm. We still contributed to them, like helping pay like the electric bills and the water bills because we were four extra people staying with them. Um, But yes, we didn't have to worry about like paying a hotel room and rent like that. 
Um, so we did stay a good amount of the time in one space, in one mm -hmm. place with our family and them, you know, giving us advice. Um, because especially with El Salvador, I feel like El Salvador has kind of a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. And so it was really important to have family around. But we felt safe. There was no, I, I think maybe there was like one instance where there was a car driving by and we were like, uh, that feels kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, but every other time, so, you know, 99.99% mm -hmm. of the time, we felt absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. And we actually had seen this video by a YouTube channel called The Budgeteers mm -hmm. of them visiting a different place in El Salvador. And we're like, we really want to go there. So we made a plan to go there. And so we actually left our family for a whole week and went to the other side, side. of the country. Wow. Um, which they were super nervous about. Um, they had a lot of concern about it. Um, but I'm really glad that we trusted mm -hmm. ourselves enough to say, like, I think we're going to be safe and mm -hmm. it'll be fine. And we went and we had the experience there. And that was a week at the beach. Before that, we were more of an inner city. And mm -hmm. so we weren't really next to the water. But okay. we actually went to this um, other part and we got to stay at the beach and have <laughs> that experience that I feel like more of a resort, more of a right, traditional right, right. resort experience. Uh -huh. It's not like a resort like you normally hear. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. It's like I know. bungalows, yep. small yep. places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the fact that you're on the beach, you know, mm -hmm. that's yeah, it was. Yeah. It was awesome. The kids woke up, they went swimming, they had food, we w they had a slack line there. And so we did some slack lining and it was just super relaxed time, That's which awesome. I'm kind of a type A person. So mm -hmm. it was like this whole experience, this whole trip was a very amazing, like re resetting for mm -hmm. the kind of personality type that I am. It was mm -hmm. a time to actually not have a plan like I planned super hard to get everything set for this but when we got there we didn't have a big schedule we didn't have like oh you know on this day we're going here on this day we're going there on this no we had we're going to stay with family and we just want to go this one week to this one place and so for the rest of the month we were just walking around and exploring the local neighborhood so it was a really different pace that is awesome so now is your husband also type a I'm just thinking you know two of you uh, and you have two type A personalities, how, how you have to plan travel and budget and stuff like that. No, he's actually way more laid back. Like he's okay. super, he's just like, he, no, yeah. That's why I had to plan the trip because <laughs> 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 like it sounds me. good. Make yeah. it happen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Now, um, now you also recently um, so you still have your, um, your, your blog, right? Your traveling wallet that you're still pretty, so post on that and do stuff on that. And you also started a podcast. Yes. So yes. Tell me more. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So, um, one of the things I've done, uh, thanks to the blog is meet people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I paid to have a mentor and like learn more. And one of the amazing things about having this mentor was meeting other, you know, women entrepreneurs, other women who want to start their own businesses or have already done so. And we connected and we decided we wanted to launch a podcast and talk to more female entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. we launched a podcast called Her Enterprise. Mm hmm and our goal is um, really, you know, to share the stories of how, you know, entrepreneurship is really hard. But when you have kids on top of that, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of balancing going on. There's a lot of prioritizing going on. There's a lot of struggle. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to share that. But then also we wanted to share kind of one of the benefits that we found from connecting, which is called uh, masterminding. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I met you through Pat Flynn, and so I know That's you've heard Pat Flynn mention that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, and masterminding is uh, when you meet with a you know, specific group of people very regularly and you talk about what your struggles are and everyone gets an opportunity to share, mm -hmm. and then you get feedback from the whole group. And mm -hmm. everyone has a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different upbringing. Mm -hmm. So they're all coming to the table with different ideas. Mm -hmm. And so that was like super helpful, super, super beneficial. And we wanted to share that mm -hmm. um, with more women. And so we decided we're like, we should 
we should do this podcast. And so my co-hosts, one of them is Kelly Santiago and the other one, I'm sorry, <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Palman and then Nicole Santiago. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did, I did listen to your episode. I didn't, um, uh, I, I didn't, I, I wanted to tell you that, but I didn't get a chance to do a review or anything, but um, it, it was really good. Um, I love the <laughs> you guys talking about breakfast, and you know <laughs> it's very interesting to see how three different people have made three different ways of serving breakfast. But that was awesome, just yeah. to simplify life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, and so that you know our hope is we we can help the you know female uh, community through that mm-hmm. podcast, like you're doing, which is why I was so excited to be on here, is because you know you have that same, I feel like that same drive where you're really trying to help build up and, you know, raise up women. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I mean, you know, all of us have like, my belief is like everybody has a story to tell and somebody could benefit from that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when it comes to money, I mean, most of us women have such a different relationship with it. We're, you know, afraid, you know, it has so much of power over it. And it's like, if we don't have power over it, it'll have power over us. So mm-hmm. it's like, you've got to kind of, you know, uh, in our heads, we have to get it, get it straight so that it doesn't control us. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so tell me more about your, you know, I, I know you said that you had a vision and how you wanted to use financial education um, and, and you got young kids and you want them to learn and, but you had uh, a vision of how, um, you, you could influence people with your knowledge of money. So tell me more about that. Yes. So I feel like there's two like segments of people that I really would like to help. And one of those is like the college student, mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of the things I learned and struggles was during that time. and. I, one of the things that I learned when I was in college was that you can get um, financial aid or scholarships for the most ridiculous things. So I was actually only 26, about $26,000 in debt by the end of my junior year. And then my senior year, it doubled because I lost this one scholarship, which was for people who were from California. So I was going to school in Michigan and they had a scholarship that were for people who are from California. Mm -hmm. And it was a big scholarship. It actually was, uh, I think it was like 12 grand um, a year. So it was a big scholarship. And so like, I feel, or I've learned from learning about money that a lot of uh, students, like they don't know enough about how to apply for scholarships or what kind of scholarships are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, like that's one of the big problems right now. And so I really want to help. So I'm, I'm developing my speaking mm-hmm. and I want to speak at universities and, and talk to them about money mm-hmm. um, and how um, they can you know, start managing it at that age. Like you can still have fun. You can still be in the clubs and do all Mm -hmm. these fun things, but still have some understanding of money so that, um, you know, you spend at least a little bit of time applying for scholarships Mm -hmm. every year. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people think like scholarship applications, you do them before you start college. Mm -hmm. So your senior year in, in high school and then you're done. And it's like, no, you can actually keep doing this process every year Mm-hmm. to help minimize your your uh, financial load and and that's going to give you a big boost when you when you graduate right and then right. the second segment that i really want to help are um families who are or you know couples who are thinking about starting families mm, okay um I'm from California. Mm-hmm. And so in California, we have this thing called paid family leave, mm-hmm. which actually grants you six weeks mm-hmm. um, to, to spend with a newborn child. Right. And it's for men and women. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, most women are allotted like six weeks to recuperate from mm-hmm. giving birth. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women don't even take that time. Mm-hmm. They feel so financially... Um, you know, strangled that they can't even take the six weeks to Mm -hmm. let their bodies heal. They have to go back to work before that. And that's what I had to do in college. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really want to help 
you know, couples or women, if they are having kids on their own, um, realize like, how can they get themselves in a financial position so they can take that full time off to mm -hmm. recuperate, but then also those extra six weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have a spouse, that's 18 weeks that you get to spend with your ch newborn child. Mm -hmm. um, and it's super invaluable. It's mm -hmm. a super invaluable experience. Um, and so, again, it's not offered in every state, but I do know c some companies offer, you know, paid maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that's one of those places where there's not enough information or people don't know how to use it or they don't know how to set themselves up in a way to make the most of it. So mm -hmm. with paid family leave, you only get um, like 55% of your normal income, mm -hmm. but you're still essentially getting paid to spend time with your mm -hmm. kid. You just right. have to be in a place or you still have, you have to plan in a way so that, you know, you can take right. that hit, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that you're, you're still spending, comfortable and you can still exactly. afford to do all the things that you need to do. Exactly. And so yeah. that your spending is in a place where that is okay and you're mm -hmm. going to be fine and you're getting paid to spend time with your kid. Mm. That, that's that's really cool i mean i i remember um you know the fmla app we were so excited when they first introduced it we were like wow this is awesome but it was only for i think at the time they were only talking about it for men or no no it was for men and women but you had really had to know the rules before you mm -hmm. figured out how to do it and you know and you're while you're trying to figure out daycare and while you're still trying to struggle and get back on your feet because you're still mm -hmm. recovering after childbirth and everything. Yeah. So well, that's, that's pretty commendable. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. But looking at, looking back at your journey you've had so far, you know, and knowing what you know now, what would you have told your younger self? Or is there anything that you would have changed about yourself? Well, one of those things just kind of goes back to what I said about the whole college scholarship thing mm -hmm. is like, I wish I would have known enough so that I could have just, you know, <laughs> taken the time. applied more, applied mm -hmm. more for, you know, those kinds of scholarships and mm -hmm. graduated with less debt. Mm -hmm. I 100% realized, though, that that debt experience mm -hmm. taught me a lot about managing money. Like, mm -hmm. I used to call all my... Um, all the people who were holding loans for me mm -hmm. like every month because I would make extra payments mm -hmm. and they would just put them, uh, they would apply them in the most ridiculous ways that mm -hmm. it was actually not helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be very proactive about calling them and saying, no, I want this to go to principal. Sure. And so I learned a lot from that experience. So I wouldn't want to take that away. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I would say <laughs> is actually from the mini retirement experience. Mm -hmm. So when we were planning to take this mini retirement, it was because we were thinking about moving to Michigan mm -hmm. because, I mean, there was a lot of reasons, like mm -hmm. I said, but one of the reasons was like, okay, well, when you stop working at a company, even if you don't burn bridges, like it's still kind of like the end of that right that company thing when you tell someone like oh i'm gonna go take time off and go travel mm -hmm. for you know three mm -hmm. months like people mm -hmm. are like okay well you go thank you mm -hmm. yeah um mm -hmm. but and so one of the mistakes we made there and so i wish i would go back and say like you know consider all the options and consider all the new information mm -hmm. so when my husband went to his company and told them that you know he wanted to take time off or he needed to do something and he was going to need a couple months off and so that's why he was putting in his two weeks notice mm -hmm. they actually made it sound like like he could take a sabbatical and right. then come back right but because we were so um like myopic like we mm -hmm. were so tunnel vision that mm -hmm. no we have a plan this is the plan mm -hmm. we completely ignored that mm -hmm. and and most people don't get that offer first off. So we weren't expecting it. We weren't mm -hmm. expecting that to be an offer. Mm -hmm. But it's something that we've looked back with a little bit of regret because we enjoyed our life in California. We, we liked, we enjoyed our life there and we mm -hmm. had built a lot of relationships and everything. And so if we would have had the opportunity to be able to take this trip mm -hmm. and then come back to the exact same company, like my husband would have loved that. Mm -hmm. um, but we never even considered we never pried or pushed for more details in that mm -hmm. offer because right. we just were, again, it's one you of those things like you don't know. You and don't so know. you just right. like bulldoze over it. You just drive right past it because mm -hmm. it's, 
you know, you weren't expecting it. So yeah, that, so that's something I would go back. Yeah, I think um, some companies do offer that. Some of the larger companies do offer that. You know, the uh, the opportunity to take a sabbatical. So, mm-hmm. but it's for a limited time. Um, but then you do. At least they say that you do have a job. It may not be the same job, but mm-hmm. you do have a job when you come back. And then, of course, if you extend it more, then you know, then there's no guarantee that they'll have a job. But yeah, of course. But yeah, um, um, yeah. But you know what? I guess everything you learn something from from everything, right? So. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I know that, like I was saying earlier, there's so many women in almost every age group that I know that struggle with money, you know, their relationship with money. Um, it probably has a lot to do with their upbringing, their experience, I know what they've, uh, what they've seen around themselves. So what advice would you want to give them? If you had to, if you want to say the top three things, that you think every woman should do that would give them a head start in their financial journey, what would you say those three things would be? I would say that the first one is to not have the mentality or the expectation that it's your partner's job to handle. Like that Mm -hmm. in itself, like if you just have the perspective that it's something that you should care about and that you should learn about, that's the first step because like I said, in Latin culture, like the upbringing is the husband does the money and the wife does the kids. Mm-hmm. And so kind of breaking that cycle, breaking that mentality, that box mm-hmm. and just saying, you know, women can be good with money just as much as men can. Right. And so just having that shift, mm-hmm. I think that's the first step. Okay. Um, another thing, which I think is more... <laughs> I think it's more um, tactical, I mm-hmm. guess it's less mindset, is that for women who are stay-at-home moms, mm-hmm. like, again, feeling ownership of the money that comes into the family, mm-hmm. I would push women to have their spouses deposit money in their IRAs. So yeah. I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't know this, but yeah. if you're not working, your spouse can actually contribute to your IRA oh. if you're married. And so I, even I didn't know that. Yeah. And so as soon as I became a stay at home mom, because there was times in my story where I wasn't working mm-hmm. right. <laughs> a traditional work, mm-hmm. one of the first conversations I had was like, well, I still want to have money being set aside for my retirement. Um, and again, this goes back to the first tip, which was like thinking that you have every right to have a say in your money. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was a discussion we had. And so instead of maxing out, you know, his 401k and his IRA, I was like, okay, well, we're going to do your 401k and then we're going to do my IRA. And then if we have anything left over, then we can do your IRA. And so I the, feel like. So the IRA max is like five, was it $5,000? Yeah, so okay. it changes, but I think right now it's at five thousand dollars. Okay, um, and it's nothing compared to the four hundred one k right max, but right. still, it's Something. still uh, it's a symbol. Right. I feel like it's a symbol of uh, showing the value that you bring to the family mm-hmm. that you deserve to have money set aside mm-hmm. in your own inc- in your in an in, in account that has your own name on it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would push you know anyone if you're saving and not struggling so if you're not struggling and you're doing some savings accounts that it should go you know the the stay-at-home spouse the woman usually Mm -hmm. like you deserve to have money being set aside on your own that is awesome okay and was there was there a number three that you could think of Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's so much to learn when it comes to money oh yeah i guess that's the next one is like it's not as complicated as you think. Okay. So I think something that we talk about in the personal finance community is that big companies benefit from making money sound complicated, from making investing sound complicated. Because then you have to pay for, you know, someone to give you counseling or, you know. Um, But it's actually not that complicated. It's actually not that difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can find calculators. And so I guess I think that would be the next tip is tip is that I know it can seem overwhelming, mm-hmm. 
But if you just start diving in mm-hmm. and, you know, start experimenting with it, it's okay to make mistakes. I made mistakes. I don't think we talked about enough of the mistakes I've made in my journey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Like you're learning and every, everything is going to help you grow more. So like, don't be afraid to learn about money. That's so. awesome. See, now I didn't know that either that, you know, big companies make it complicated. And in, and I didn't know about the IRA thing either. So I was like, wait a minute. I need to get some money back for the time that I did. <laughs> get nobody put money for me. No, but this is great. I had no, absolutely no idea. Awesome. I'm glad that I shared something that was, you know, like, yeah, I feel like most people don't know that. I didn't know that till I knew it, obviously. I wasn't even looking for that information till it fell into my lap. And it fell into my lap because I looked, you know, I started doing some learning into, into money and how mm-hmm. to manage my finances. And so, yeah, if you Google personal finance, you'll find so many people talking about it mm-hmm. um, that you can even, you know, you can find someone who speaks in the voice that you want to learn. Right. You know, there's people who are super strict. There's people who are more, you know, feeling-based. And so you can find your mentor in personal finance. That is awesome. That's really cool. So now you have, so you have your trialing wallet and you have your podcast. You're also on Twitter and um, what else, what other platforms if people want to get a hold of you? Yeah. So Twitter, I think is the best. Like if you want to converse with me, um, Twitter is the easiest to like have a conversation and a dialogue. But if you come to my website and you send me an email, that also is a great way to connect. Um, I respond to everyone right now. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's, uh, I have an Instagram too, so I can share that with you. I can send you the link. Okay. Um, it, it's at traveling wallet Romer for Instagram, okay. but I'm just learning Instagram. So, okay. you know, <laughs> that's fine. No, but this is great. Thank you so much, Melissa, for taking the time to come and talk to me about your journey and about money. I'm, I'm really excited that I've learned a couple things and now I have to go Google a couple things now to learn a little bit more. But, yeah. you know, uh, but I think the, most, um, the thing that resonated the most with me is the fact that don't be afraid because it's not that complicated. And I think you know, you know, being brought up in a... Um, in an environment where it was all hush hush, you just assume that oh, if you you know if you don't know about it, then it must be really hard and you know mm-hmm. difficult and that kind of thing. So now that this kind of just blew it blew uh, the myth right out of the water. So thank you, thank you, <laughs> and I will talk to you soon. All right, thank you so much for having me. Bye, <laughs> bye. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please. Leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.